This is the Sea to Sky podcast with Alan, weaving through the issues in Sea to Sky country. Okay, welcome to another Sea to Sky podcast, and I'm sitting here with candidate for Whistler Council, Janice Lloyd. Janice, thanks for joining us. Oh, you're welcome. How do you do? And we are, today we're actually, we're getting away from blends, uh, where I've done most of my interviews. Today we're sitting outside the patio, uh, the wonderful Alpine Cafe up here in Alpine Meadows, uh, which apparently is your favorite watering hole. It is. Displays the true roots and... and, uh soul of Whistler, if you will. Yeah, and I know that's, 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 your, that's your campaign theme, is keeping the soul of Whistler intact. It's surprising how much it comes up in conversation with uh, locals and uh, people who visit, that this is what attracts them here. Perhaps not the new visitor, but the people who've been coming to Whistler for a very long time and who bought here for weekends and now have moved here. The soul is what has appealed to them from the very beginning. And me too. It's the same with me. Right. It appealed to me in 1970 and it still does. And, um, I feel it's imprinted. A sense me. of authenticity. that A sense of place. Yeah. It... Authenticity is a good word for it too. Okay. But uh, it is authentic. And this is an authentic... The Alpine Cafe is an authentic Worcester place. It has the feel of it. There's good food. There's always a smile for you, no matter what time of day. Okay, we don't need to give them that much of a free ad. But anyway, so... The- no, I know, but it feels good here. And I wish there were more places like this. Is what there I'm are places we've to. lost, like the Boot and uh, some of the other old establishments. And I'd like to see some zoning changes in the future that so that we're able to reestablish some of these uh, Whistler Roots type of places. I have some thoughts on it for the youth of Whistler, a similar approach to... Uh, youth gathering spots that are accessible at all times. Well, what would the zoning but, look like? What would the zoning entail? Well, presently, I, I, other than having a deli, I believe, to the best of my knowledge, and that would be from uh, entrepreneur people who've been trying to, uh, entrepreneurial people who've been trying to establish a place, yeah. um, that the zoning is crucial to them presenting anything other than a deli. Most of these places along the highway are zone, and inside the highway and the subdivisions are zone, are zone residential, or R one or R two, or you know. For so, duplexes. are you saying that that, that some of these single-family residential areas, or even multi-family residential areas, you'd like to see a, more of a mix of commercial that would allow for sort of uh, you know places that are perhaps. Uh, Attract a smaller crowd, but they community friendly. Where a lot of okay. transportation That's is involved. Way to say it. Yeah, thank yeah you. very community friendly. I'm I'm for the community. Okay. I realize Whistler, we were built on tourism and to remain viable. We somewhat depend on that. Although we reach such a size now that we are sort of feeding ourselves with our own, um, you know, the use of all our facilities in Whistler. But uh, yeah, community friendly, and so youth and uh, parents and and ordinary people, not visitors, can gather, share a word, maybe have a drink, maybe not, Mm -hmm. just a place to come to. This is the best one I know of, but I think we should have them in some of these communities. We have pods of civilization or pods of communities through the valley. There's Rainbow, there's, besides the Alpine Meadows one, there's Alta Vista. (laughs) It's a good one, and there's a park there, a wayside park, which would be just ripe for some kind of gathering place for all hours of the day. My thought is fire pits to have a fire pit that is covered with a chimney up the center mm-hmm. and seating all around it okay. so that youth is, is safe. So we get more year-round use from the parks? We get more year-round use for the parks, but for the community, not necessarily for visitation. 
but for always for community and for youth just a place for them to hang out and maybe listen to their music and it's safe that RCMP could come by quite easily and not impinge on the social aspect of what they're doing they're in a neighborhood so they're near housing and it could be uh, sort of um, supervised from a distance you might say but a place for people to gather and eventually maybe a commercial aspect would arise out of that a place for them to you know, as I say, a commercial thing, like as we were saying, but have a drink, a watering hole, like, would develop around it. But that's it for the commercial aspect of it. It is only for that. So it's a tricky zoning need. Yeah. I feel it's a need. I'm asked a lot about how could you keep the youth of Whistler right at this, uh, at, recently as last Saturday, at this F-bomb gathering that was at the uh, Maurice Young Theatre. Yeah. And uh, my thought is... Um, we need a place for these people. We need a, a place for them to not just work as dishwashers. Or, it could be dishwashers if that's what they want to do. But we need some sort of apprenticeship program. And we need to have the employers here buy into it, particularly Vail. There's lots of things here that, lots of skills here that could be developed with the youth. And then they could move along and move out of Whistler and come back perhaps someday and take over their parents' houses. But uh, we need a spot for that kind of uh, yeah. development of our youth. Well, one of the more immediate concerns that most people bring up is the lack of employees, the employee crunch. I mean, all of these things that we want to do, small businesses, working on the mountain, pretty much any endeavor, we're short of people to do it. How do you think you could bring people to Whistler, people that are, you know, not tourists, but people that want to come here to work and find them a place to stay? Um, Housing is crucial to attracting families, uh, to attracting workers, and there are so many. There's a lot here from other countries who are just achieving their citizenship. They're in the first stages of it. I've met many recently, and a big factor is housing. And they're wonderful people. They're hardworking. They're very skilled and uh, with many different kinds of skills, wonderful things to offer to this community. They'd be like the next generation, but there's no place for them to live. So uh, that is a huge part of me is dedicated to that. Uh, to finding ways to provide reasonable housing. At present, rent comes into it a lot. And even if these people could find a place, largely some of the older houses, such as mine, built in 1970, they're being knocked down. And uh, similar to Vancouver, a large, I'm gonna call it a spec house because that's what it is. They're not in there, they don't live there, but they've taken away the rental for four or five people, or even if it's two people, and built a large house and they're not in it, but maybe two or three weeks a year, or maybe even a month or so a year, yeah. or they might lend it out to friends, but the rentals are gone. Yeah. So we need to address that. But not everybody wants to live in Chequemus. A lot of people want to live closer, and we need to address low-cost housing. I, yeah, I understand that, and when you talk about yeah, the, the, the older ski cabins that they had a suite maybe, and maybe they rented out a couple of bedrooms. It was sort of a, you know, a, mu- a much, much more middle-class, uh, sort of approach to things, but then with the land value going up so high, people don't want to re- they don't want to just buy, they want to buy that cabin, knock it down and build you know, what we've seen, these giant uh, these But they're giant, not living here Giant cabins, and I realize that, and they're empty most most of the time, they're here for two weeks, Some sometimes as little as a week a year, and it's a $10 million cabin, however, it's their money, it's their right it's a free market system, they bought the land, they can do what they want with it You're quite right but I think we have to look into a similar uh, system as Vancouver. I think it has to be explored. And I think we have to be really innovative with finding a way for these people either to pay a tax 
as is happening in Vancouver. Non-residents tax, but you know what the argument's going to be there is yes. that these people are going to say, well, we, we already pay a ton of money in taxes, and now your taxes more for, for just not being here. Well, so be it. Yeah. I mean, if they can afford to live here and leave a multi-million dollar property, which is probably on the low end of things, it's a multi-million dollar property in the several digit figures, then fine. Uh, I mean, I think we need to start having people who have their visitors, they're not residents, although they own land here. I think we need to address the visitation uh, issues of this valley, which really seriously affect locals and people that you want to attract here and people you want to live here and make their lives and maybe meet up with somebody and marry and that's the future families. That must be addressed and it must be addressed in a way that is reasonable. Now, it, this has begun with the developments in Chequemus Crossing, it's true. But another thing with Chequemus Crossing is, with the Worcester Housing Association, they only want to rent. And those rents are not cheap. They're anywhere from $2,000 to $2,600, $2,700 a month, depending on the square footage. And I've heard lots of talk from different developers about, oh, they should be, you know, like apartment buildings, larger apartment buildings, which is ultimately ecologically practical, but it's also practical for transportation and various services. But uh, people want to own their own place so that these rents are applied to equity. Yeah. And at a recent uh, forum we had on the Chequemus Phase 2, oh my goodness, that came up so much I was just standing and looking. They want to make, Whoa, they wanna make uni uni units to buy uh, priority over units to rent. And of course, the municipality at present, or the WHA, the Worcester Housing Authority, so I don't like to use nomograms so much because people might listening to this might not understand them, but presently the Whistler Housing Authority has uh, largely wants to rent. There are some places that were purchased throughout the valley initially, and there are some purchased places that are out from under the umbrella of the WHA in Chequemus, but young people or people with families want to buy. And uh, so I feel if they can muster up the down payment, they should. some of it, I don't mean we should have everything purchased, you know, revenue, yeah. I, you know, but resident purchasable property. Some of it should be purchasable. And there is some debt. So why not sell off some of the land and pay the debt and then create rentals and create uh, a place for families to own and build equity? I mean, that has happened in this. The history of Whistler is like that. No, I don't I know. see why it's, we should carry on. It's not a new story, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not a new story at all. And I think it's been good. We managed to get to this point without any debt. And, and that brings us to another subject. I'm not in favor of borrowing to pay off what present debt has been created by WHA Developments and the Worcester Development Corporation Housing. I'm not in favor of going into debt. Well, then that how creates gonna, deficit how we, financing. But how are we going to pay, pay for it? Sell some of the land. I don't know Sell if there's enough people. land there to cover, you know, check this crossing, $40 million. Is that what the debt is? Well, that's You that, might know I think, more about I, it than I do. I, I heard it was somewhere closer to $7 million, but... That uh, you may be right. The the, the forty million dollar number was thrown out by a couple of candidates, so I don't know how accurate that number is. I don't honest. either, because to the best of my knowledge, it's near seven. I yeah. know one of the W the Worcester Development Corporation people, but uh, just in my gathering of information, I find this the sensible way to proceed, as opposed to taking on more debt and deficit financing, which is a current thinking that is very prevalent with our chief operating officer or chief officer for uh, the community. Yeah. Sorry, Mike, but if you ever listen to this, but we part company on this. He's a very innovative person and he's contributed a lot to the Valley, but I do not, not, not agree with borrowing on the future. 
I think we've managed really well till now. We need to pull in our pull in our horns and make the best better of what we have, and start thinking about how we can create a situation that is more reasonable. And if that means selling off some of the muni property, so be it. But don't we need that muni property to build potentially more housing? Well, we could still do that, but in a different way. There is a reasonable amount of muni property left over and just a different manner of building. It's been suggested to me by, if you want to say all the residents of Whistler who pay taxes and live here are stakeholders. Don't you think they're stakeholders? Does that not... That, that's the common parlance used, yeah. Yes, okay. So why not us stakeholders <laughs> see a type of development that uh, will accommodate low-cost rentals on a smaller piece of land. And it, as I say, it's more economical. Build a couple of stories higher. Mm -hmm. um, I haven't got figures on this. I, I know several people who will give them, but at this time, I ask me in a month and I would probably be able to supply you with those figures. But I feel it's more economical. Ecologically, it's wiser. For transportation, for all the services, it's better to build some housing higher in places like Chequemus or maybe even think about the Callahan. Yeah, I mean, you're not the first person to bring problem. up the Callahan. Yeah. Well, we have a problem with people, and we're launching into a different subject. But we have a serious problem with people who are coming here to work, have no place to live, and they wind up squatting or camping. And winter's coming. And, you know, I think we have a responsibility since they came here, and we need these people to work. We say that, and we say, oh, come to Whistler. We put that word out, and now here they are. There's no place reasonable for them to rent. So we, not necessarily within this area of this community, you know, the Whistler per se. Yeah. I don't like using that word too much, but those words. But have, maybe have something in the Callahan and maybe up the bus service. Yes, we will have to provide some services. And a study has been done by someone who's quite prominent with the Whistler Community Foundation that a place could be built or a place could be established, a location could be established in a place like uh, Callahan for like two and a half million dollars. That's going a bit above what he said. And provided with some services, not well. When we say two million, how big? Of, what are we what sort of development are we talking about for two million? Uh, three hundred units, three hundred places. I, I, I now, without knowing the numbers, I'm definitely going to have to to take issue with that. I don't. I don't think we're building three hundred units in. It's not in this building quarter. a unit. It's creating a place where these people can put their campers can put their oh I see you're talking about tents oh I see you're talking about like an employee campground type thing yeah okay, well, they're that's, yurts that's interesting I haven't heard that proposal before oh it's been presented to me a couple of times and I thought well you know we don't want camping in the middle of our town that's just not on yeah although there are some large places it could but all the issues that arise with people camping out and you've you know a lot of these homeless cities that it's just awful the waste the 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 waste created human human and just trash and but the, uh, I think you know they the, need to the, have a place to wash they need yeah. to have services like hydro and so but on the, the people that are living in their vans they're not I mean they're not homeless people they're in the in the in the concept that we see in Vancouver people living on the street no. or, or tent cities I mean they have jobs they're probably showering at the gym I mean they're they're you know it's a different you know uh, we kind of have to sort of have different uh, definitions of what we mean by homeless this day. Indeed, you're quite right, and we haven't even scratched that's a that whole, That's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have that's... a big subject. I'm, I'm very, very interested in that because we do have people that have been, for one reason or another, that are aging, that are living in campers and vans and squatting out in the bush because they've been ousted. Somehow they've lost their rental through various means, which we know. Um, 
the owner died and it got inherited by the family who wanted them to leave and rebuild and all this yeah. sort of thing. But you know, squatting is, is also nothing new to Whistler because I remember as a kid, you, you'd see some the squat cabins and some of them were pretty elaborate. Oh yes. They were built around, you know, before they did all that development at the south end of Alta Lake, there were there were several squats down there. There were squats all over the valley. People people lived here for years in their, that in their was makeshift then. cabins. Yeah, I agree. It's true. That was uh, then that was then and this, this is, is now. now. And we're just that's just not on anymore. Yeah. All the all the things that are associated with that. Like I say, the waste we need to provide electricity. We need to provide some kind of uh, a place for them to shower that where we can control the liquid waste and uh, a place where they can you know transport transport themselves to their employment in Whistler and yet they can come home and uh, have a warm bed and uh, for me I think that not that we're going to build structures but I think providing a place for them to camp is huge they can't get into the campgrounds within the municipality they're full and uh, and actually the price has gone up greatly with those so if a person pays, say, $300, $350 a month for a place to put their trailer or yurt or whatever they're going to do, and they have hydro, mm-hmm. they have a communal shower, mm-hmm. and they just have a small, maybe it just can, uh, they're only allowed to have a microwave or something like that in their place, but they have electricity, they have water for in a shower, and a place where they can keep warm. Many people would appreciate that. Many workers. I'm, the, I'm the, aiming the myself at the younger workers. Yeah. No, I. Well, well, we do need the to solve ones the, in the, bush uh, the housing. The housing front. I mean, the employee. Well, it's 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 tied. The employee. It's and like the housing now. Crunch. We yeah. need to do it now. Yeah. I mean, these projects for Chekhamus, and we're talking temporary here. Although, who knows? I mean, the uh, in Creekside, the uh, Legoland was supposed to be temporary, and now it's etched into the landscape. But yeah. it's worked out pretty well. And but just for people who don't know, by Legoland, she means Gondola Village and, there yes. at Creekside. Sorry. Well, the, most, peop- most people in Whistler have lived here for a while know it is Legoland, but, you know, not everybody. Not everybody no, knows No, but they've so. worked out well. I have a good friend who raised her twins there when her marriage broke up, and it worked out really well for her. And yeah. um, the twins are doing well, and uh, she now lives someplace else. She's sold it and bought a nice little place for herself as but she's you know, aged. Again, you know, you talk about you talk about Legoland, uh, Gondola Village. That's a place that I mean, God, going back before the Olympics, when those when the valleys on those places started skyrocketing, people were talking about tearing it down. Yes. And using I don't know how many bed units would be allowed there, and, use, and developing it into another high end development, which further. Uh, exacerbates the, the housing problem. Well, they're not going to be tearing it down anytime soon because people are very firmly entrenched there yeah. and quite happily. Yeah. And uh, it, the whole area there has developed in and around. In fact, there's a very wealthy community. Caden went just above it. Yeah. And uh, I have many friends living in and around that area. So I don't think Legoland's coming, around, coming down anytime too soon. But perhaps we're laying a foundation of expanding our community to livable, affordable spaces when we talk about the Callahan. Now, you, Maybe you, that's what we have to do in right. order to provide reasonable housing, that uh, you know, affordable housing, realistically affordable housing. I'm not saying $2,500 a month rent when these people have to work two and three jobs. Yeah. You know, and then, I mean, I could see a whole looking to the future. I can see a whole uh, uh, community developing there that services Whistler. Yeah. And also might service itself. And also Calgary, if Calgary accepts the Olympic bid or if they their bid is accepted by we, the Olympic They're going to have ski jumping here probably. Exactly. Yeah. And that could open a door that is very handy for this community. In I, terms of... Right away I saw that. Well, money. Ter- right. Okay. Communications, um, transportation. Yeah. And it uh, might be, maybe there's some money to be found in there to put in some housing 
and or put in some living arrangements, let's call it that, living arrangements that are reasonably comfortable. I mean, you don't need much, really. You're away all day working and you're probably going to, these people might have a drink with someone after work and they might eat at work. So they, they really need a warm, comfortable, pleasant situation to come home to where they can have a shower, socialize with their friends, go to bed, have a good sleep, get up early in the morning and go back to the mountain to either ski or work. I say the mountain because one thinks of the community. Right, yeah. As the valley. They can come back to the valley. I mean, when you're of a certain age, that is quite attractive. Right. Instead of living in the bush or the island on Fitzsimmons Creek and things like that. I mean, that's not on. Not gone are the days. That yeah. ship has sailed, so Well, to speak. <laughs> you say that, but I bet there's plenty of people living that way that say no. If they that's... had options. Oh, yes. I imagine they would. They, now, if they now, had now, options. Speaking, speaking of options, you, and you... You bring up an interesting proposal with creating at the Callahan a place for people to camp, whether, I guess, whether it's in their van, in their trailer, in a yurt, or however it is. Another proposal that's brought up, and on municipal land closer to home, in fact, close even to the village, is modular housing, whether it's, yes. whether it's uh, you know, those temporary trailers or shipping containers that have been converted. And the, and the idea is that that's immediate housing for employees and that can be taken away as we put in something more permanent. Well, now we're getting into infill in the neighborhood, and I'm very much in favor of these modular houses. In fact, I'd really like to put one on top of my three-bay garage. I was looking at it just before you phoned. I didn't realize we would be talking, but... Uh, Really, they, they, you can get a modular house that comes with everything. The plumbing, the it's all plumbed, wired. You can even order the furniture and the appliances if mm-hmm. you want. I think it, it's really easy to do, and it costs about oh a fraction. Let's say less than half of what it would be if you had it built, because it's right there. You don't have to worry about trades. I'd like to put two on top of my garage in the way of tiny houses. Right. I'd have to fiddle with zoning or perhaps get that approved, but I'm not looking for people with cars. I'm looking for people that use the bus that's right across the street from me. Our yeah. bus service is great, and we need to encourage more and more people to use it. Um, yeah. I would have parking for people, but it's not my preference to be able to have to move all the people around when it's snowing and move the cars around to try and get it, you know, clear, snow clearing that. But anyway... I think modular housing in other parts of Whistler, even if it's within the bounds of the municipality, is or this Whistler um, perimeter itself yeah. is a great idea. We have an example of a really good one up on the street here, up on Matterhorn. And I've talked to the Honor Mobile, I shouldn't say their name, but I've talked to the modular housing people. And uh, I thought maybe I would put it off till 2019 so as to... Uh, but I, I actually help out a guy who has nothing and uh, yeah. provide him with something. Um, I don't want to go into it here. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, you touched on transportation, so let's talk about transportation. Sure. And, yeah, we, we, do, we do have a pretty good transportation system. But, of course, there's been a lot of talk about uh, commuter transportation so that we can bring in workers from Pemberton slash Mount Curry and south from Squamish. Where do you stand on a commuter bus service? Absolutely in favor completely in favor and I don't see any reason why Mount Curry yeah. and Pemberton and the, and the indigenous people can't become part of ours but transportation is vital uh, but we also need an understanding of what their needs are regarding transportation it's not necessarily at 7 in the morning or 8 in the morning they might need to come to work at 10 and there might be times when they 
have off the days that they need to be away for family reasons or I mean first of all we got to get the bus running yeah and that's the problem with the commuter bus we, the, it's expensive we, we, uh, a it's expensive and also we're not talking about a nine-to-five job I mean pretty much there are very few people in Whistler that are working nine-to-five they're working all different hours True. Uh, I mean, it's a service industry, industry resort. So yes, I recognize that. I see them on the side of the road, and yeah. I feel for them. I've worked. I've always been a shift worker. I like that. I'm not a nine to fiver. The times when I was nine to five, when I was going to school, I wasn't. Oh well, it was interesting, but I, I see that. So we need to provide for that, and I think we are trying the, the transportation studies, and the people that have reported on it at uh, council meetings, which I've attended, all of them except for two maybe, in the last year and a half, but they are being very sensitive to these transportation issues we're talking about, and there's a huge initiative to create more transportation from Mount Curry to Whistler, or from Pemberton to Whistler, and from Squamish to Whistler, which would just be tremendous. But I have to say this, is that, uh, you know, in addition to transporting people here, we have to, uh, it, it, there's been a lot of waste of money, in my opinion, yeah. in a lot of people's opinion. And so much of that money that was put into one area of supposedly transportation that is mostly to, for tourism reasons, I mean, the same thing could have been are done. You, are you talking about the highway? No, I love the highway. I'm talking about the bus stop. Oh, the, the bus shelters. Yeah. Okay. I, you lost me for a second. I wasn't sure which one. Okay, yes. Well, I didn't bu- want to say it. You said it. <laughs> okay, well, you, you, got, you can't be too cryptic. You, you know, you got to spell these well, things out. We don't always know what you're talking about. I'm from a political background, and, and not, I mean, my work, I'm a service person, and I, you know, still have the remains of that that I have to be respectful. Okay. But, I mean, there's a lot of money been wasted there, and it's not finished at all. There's no washrooms. Seems to have taken a long time, yeah. Ever such a long time, and it's been uh, landscaped two times because the first time they didn't have uh, irrigation, and so all the trees died. One million dollars for landscaping. Yeah. Well, seems, seems steep. Well, not it does planned seem, well. It does seem, to see, it does seem that there are Whistler prices for a lot of these projects. As well, I have heard from a number of people that the soccer field should not have cost anywhere near what what we down paid to. For. Well, it was initially was four point two five, and it's down to two point one or two point two or something like that. So it's improved. Yeah. So many people against it, and you do have to wonder. I mean, we have various fields throughout the valley. Well, you got to wonder. Well, you got to wonder what you, you could have, have done with that money to up the fields that are presently here. That's true too. But you also have to wonder if the initial estimate was two million dollars higher than what they're bringing it in what for. What was that? Where, where, where did the two million dollars in savings come from? Where, why was the estimate so high in the first place? I'm not place? sure you'd want to know what's going <laughs> on with the development in Chequemus and how many high-priced people have been hired to study that, or the new de- development people that are. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, is that a, is that one of the reasons that spurred you to run? Oh, yes. I'm a good steward with money. I treat it like my own. I'm very... I, I can be generous in some ways, but I can, I'm can. i very penurious as far as... Uh, which means um, skimpy. <laughs> Saving a chiseler. Yeah. <laughs> I'm careful with my money. Right. Without, I treat other people's money like my own. And like I say, I want it to look... Every, I want things to look like a new dime, but I really want the best way to get there. And uh, I've done that. I've been very successful in a bureaucracy and in a tight, tight, tight union situation. And um, being a female, I can't help but say that. I don't normally, but 
it's one of those things, right? Okay. Got everybody, no, and I've no, really saved money. Br- I've saved you millions bring, of dollars. Since you bring that up, and I know that you do come from a fairly blue-collar background, just just give our listeners a, just a quick uh, sketch of, of what the background that you're alluding to. Well, I worked my way up. I was employed by the ferries for 46 years, and I worked through... Uh, That'd be BC Ferries. Sorry, BC Ferry. I beg your pardon. They started when I was very young, and uh, was mostly older people employed then, and they took me under their wing and influenced me greatly in the decisions that I made and the kindness that they showed me. Um, so I developed a type of soul for the ferries as well, as here for Whistler. And at that time, I bought land in Whistler, so I was going both ways all the time. I'd tear myself away from the ocean to come here to the mountains. It was yeah. wonderful. Were you working out of Horseshoe Bay? Sometimes, okay. out of Tawasin. I worked up north on the Queen of the North. Sadly, the poor north lies on the bottom. But And that would have been my watch, actually. But I, my husband became very, very sick, and I had to leave. Anyway, I worked very high up in the catering department, but realized I always wanted to be on deck. I worked my way up, kind of maneuvered my way onto deck by doing not-for-profit great deeds for the ferries. And I was also very involved with the union then, so I knew my ins and ins and outs of the contract, and I got myself onto deck. In 1982. Right, which I was just going to say was probably heavily populated by men. All by men. There was no women. Right. That, a very impressive career, and as you say, you have the background in negotiating. I worked my way up through um, a lot of adversity. Very, very tough bureaucratic Huge process. Huge adversity. Because your background... You, I just you, have to you, ask, say something before yeah, go we ahead. move along. Yeah. Okay. I had a wonderful life on the ferries. Every day wasn't great, but pretty nearly, I would say most of them were. And okay. I love the ferries, but, and I had it. Right, and so, but going on a council, and this is the thing, I mean, you, you have obviously some great proposals, you have some strong ideas, you've got passion, but at the end of the day, you're one voice, so you've got to find that common ground, you've got to find that consensus. I'm used to that. Right. I bring a lot of, I meant what I said when I said stewardship, and bringing a positive end, or a positive moving forward to things is not an easy process. And I'm quite used to being the only one who's sticking up for something and being successful at it. Just gently but surely negotiating my way into getting what I want. <laughs> and I want what's really positive for this community. Uh, my listeners can't see the determination in your face as you say that, so I'll have to uh, relay it to them. But Thousand trust fish me, boats tr- in the pond. Trust me when I say this, this, this woman is very very serious and very passionate about what she says. Now, uh, we got to wrap this up, so just sure. give your final pitch to the, uh, to the people of Whistler. I want to preserve the soul of Whistler, such as I've experienced it for the last uh, 48 years it is. I love my land, I love this land. I I relish the fact that we're gonna be integrating with indigenous more and more. I always have. First time places I came to were Mount Curry. I drove right through Whistler and went to Mount Curry. I am dedicated to fairness, viability, and affordability. I guess affordability and viability go hand in hand. And there are many, many, many aspects to this. But I am quite a hard worker. I'm a very hard worker. I'm very determined. And I would like to give this. I bring a lot to the table as far as being a counselor is concerned. And uh, I bring a lot to any table. I'm involved in a lot of voluntary um, not-for-profits in Whistler. And uh, I have a lot to offer. And I want to share that. Okay. Well, thanks for joining us, uh, Janice, and good luck to you. And remember, everyone, get out and vote October 20th. And this has been Sea to Sky Podcast. This is the Sea to Sky Podcast. If you have a comment or story ideas, please check out our website at seataskypodcast.com. 
or on Facebook and Twitter at Sea to Sky Podcast. Thank you for clicking us on. 